Made Visible is a podcast that gives a voice to people with invisible illnesses. There's no blueprint about how to live with an invisible illness or how to be there for someone who has one. We're here to help people feel less alone as they strive to create a normal life and to create an awareness of how we can be supportive of people who seem fine but aren't. I'm so excited to have Phoebe Lapine on the podcast today. Phoebe and I met at a wellness event a few years ago and have stayed in touch ever since. She's one of the few people in the wellness scene on Instagram that I feel is so genuine and real. She's funny, not trying to be anything she's not, and honest about her challenges. Welcome, Phoebe. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. Such a nice intro. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you live, and what you do. Okay, well, I kind of bill myself as a food woman of many trades, uh, including chefing, teaching cooking classes, recipe development, yada, yada. I also have a blog called Feed Me Phoebe and a book that came out called The Wellness Project, which is about my experience with Hashimoto's thyroiditis and trying to find the middle ground between health and hedonism, which I also write about often on my site. Love it. So your business was built, I assume, based on your own health and writing this book is based on your own health. So talk a little bit about your journey to getting this diagnosis. How did you get there? What was that about? Yeah, so I got the diagnosis pretty early on, but it took a long time for my professional path to kind of catch up or for me to, I guess, realize that I could use all these skills that I was building in the kitchen to heal my body. But at first, when I was 22, I went through like a real period of denial, was like so lucky to even get a diagnosis at all since so many people, especially women, don't. But I think I just wasn't mature enough to hear it at the time. And what were your symptoms at that point? How did you know to even get checked out on anything? I didn't have any symptoms that I could recognize. Um, But I had a really good doctor who did full thyroid panels. Um, The practice like specialized in kind of like female adolescent medicine. So they were always kind of doing Well, I'm not sure if they did it every year. It might have been something that they did every few years, but I was lucky at the time that they performed it at all. And who knows, maybe I had Hashimoto's for a few years and that was just the first time it got caught. But I had rapidly lost weight, um, which is normally not the textbook symptom for Hashimoto's. The textbook symptom is weight gain, but your thyroid is your metabolism essentially. So anytime that it's off in any way, like there can be massive dramatic fluctuations. So I think, you know, that was kind of not completely explained to me at the time, obviously, but also it was like, you know, I was losing weight. It was post-college. I needed to lose a little weight. This was a good thing at that time. (laughs) It was kind of a good thing. And I was like, well, I'm not feeling, you know, anything crazy. It was also my first year out of college. So like, I was feeling crazy, but it just seems like a matter of the circumstances. And yeah, I was like completely stressed out. I just got through a breakup. I was like, I was a, I was a mess. Didn't think any of it was attributable to the thyroid. Um, I didn't even know what a thyroid was or where it was. Why would you? Yeah. And it wasn't explained to me. And again, like I had a great doctor who did the test, who was sensitive and, you know, she just unfortunately was kind of more on the conventional track and was just like, you can take this medicine Synthroid. It's really not a big deal. Like 
it happens all the time to women your age, but you're gonna have to be on the medicine for the rest of your life. And what was it like to hear that? Oh, it was terrifying. I was like, uh, no. And basically like went la 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 left the office and then just like went on living my life. Well, I cried. I got home and I cried a little right. bit because it's scary to hear of you have like, a disease of any kind. <laughs> Especially when you had no symptoms. It wasn't like you were dealing with issues and it's like, oh, what a relief, which I think a lot of people will relate to here is this came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I think I was, there were symptoms. The anxiety, like it's a total chicken or the egg thing. Of course, like stress and anxiety are also like a precursor to an autoimmune disease. You know, it's all very mysterious. And for me, like digestive woes were certainly a symptom. I am convinced like this all happened because of a combination of stress and breakup and also a parasite. But yeah, I just think at that age, I didn't have um, enough wherewithal at all about my body to put any of those pieces together. I mean, I think one of the reasons it's very surprising to a lot of people. I tell the story, they're like, what do you mean? You just like, didn't take the medication and didn't do anything else either. Yeah. But I was kind of just like, and I always have been kind of a muscle through it kind of person, which is not good. Did you refuse to believe that you had this problem or? I was afraid the medication would make me gain weight. Mm -hmm. And like, if somehow losing weight is like, maybe some sort of symptom but like kind of when I was uh, cool with at the time like also post breakup I was depressed I like wasn't eating enough it was what it was so you go home you cry a little yeah you're trying to process what you just were told yeah you decide you're not going to take this medication then what happens and I don't even think I did that much googling like I think I just maybe like did an initial google read the jibber jabber I'm like oh yeah endocrine system whatever I don't know what that is um and then yeah when I when I'm living my life but you know I think the instinct was right like my mom was a total early adopter of the organic movements like she shopped exclusively at the health food store you know much to my disappointment as a child of course I did not get the Oreos or the Dunkaroos I got them at friends houses (laughs) but yeah I think maybe just like she had long ingrained in me that big pharma wasn't necessarily the only answer. And even though I wasn't mature enough to like find what the other answers were yet, just the idea of like being dependent on the medication and that process starting now, I was just like, no. So then the next few years, I definitely wore myself down and I had quit my corporate job and was trying to do this food thing full time. I'd started a blog, I got a cookbook deal and then was like private chefing and catering and like running myself ragged all over the city, just trying to make ends meet. And yeah, that was when the symptoms really started to show themselves. But I didn't know that they, again, were associated with autoimmune disease. I was just like, oh yeah, like I'm working a physically demanding job. It's stressful being self-employed and young and having no idea what I'm doing. I like was working with one of my best friends and like it wasn't always going so well. Yeah, of course I'm tired all the time. And then, you know, some of the more mysterious symptoms, like, oh, like my hair is kind of falling out, my skin's a mess. Wow, I have like menopausal hot flashes on the subway, like when it's winter. Wow. Um, so the, all of those things. And then the digestive issues, which were like an occupational hazard, that was kind of what got me into you know, with the doors of another doctor and, you know, being my mother's child went to try and find someone with a little bit more of a holistic perspective. And that was kind of my first introduction to like 
radically changing my diet and kind of like from what I understood of my first foray into holistic medicine was like gluten was the issue. And I took it out and I kind of plateaued at like a slightly more optimal uh normal, but there was still like a lot of the other stuff going on in the background and never really seemed to like fix anything. And my blood work, my numbers were a mess. So that was also pretty disconcerting. And I don't think it was, you know, when I was first diagnosed, nothing had really gone too far off the rails yet. So like you couldn't really see. Um, but I was like completely deficient, like every single vitamin and mineral. Wow. Because <laughs> wow. I wasn't like absorbing anything. So yeah, that that was like led to kind of a whole other rabbit hole. And I was lucky because I knew how to cook and I could like use my expertise to try and heal myself with like coconut oil and kale and to like do my homework. But I kind of ended up swinging to the other side of the pendulum of just feeling like completely overwhelmed by kind of the holistic side of the prognosis and being lost in all of these (laughs) newsletters and and web articles and feeling like I had to like throw the entire contents of my apartment away because they contained like toxic cotton and like yeah. <laughs> replace it all with hemp and like baking soda. And, you know, being in my mid twenties and obviously from the get go being like fairly resistant <laughs> to change, um, you know, I just like found myself asking like, how do people do this? I can't spend this kind of money on green juice and supplements. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And I don't know, like kind of the core question, which ended up becoming the subtitle of my book is how do you do right by your body without giving up your life? So I felt like, I guess at the time that I was in like a unique place to answer that question because everything I was reading in the wellness world was just like people seemed to be like so okay with just like hopping on the the orthorexia bandwagon and like restricting and I'm like well I love food I don't want to be afraid of food I don't want to be afraid of anything because I know like stress again is more harmful than probably anyone pesticide totally um so yeah I developed this kind of wacky semi type a but also not um year dedicated to my health and kind of the model of Gretchen Rubin's the happiness project I just decided to like focus on one piece of the puzzle at a time everything from like the idea of detox to switching my products to greener options to hydration to sleep to stress um movement posture, kind of just like, you know, self-improvement one step at a time. And also like, really, it was an experiment of figuring out what was actually worth my time, money and energy, which is kind of an experiment I didn't think that many people were doing at the time. Everyone was just like, oh, cool. The maca costs how much? All right. Yeah. Like, let's dump it into our smoothies. Um (laughs) It's so wild. Well, it's funny you bring up For you, you were figuring out what worked for you. You were not looking to completely start from scratch and not enjoy food and enjoy your life. I think about when I was in high school, my mom ran a holistic healthcare center. (laughs) And I was introduced to all these different practitioners and these phenomenal leaders in the wellness world way before the wellness world was the wellness world. And I would meet with these people and I would go to a nutritionist and this person's having me get on this diet and trying these foods. And I'm like, this is not realistic. I mean, I understand that there are certain aspects of things that I need to cut out from my diet and things I need to try, but they were really having me go bare, bare, bare minimum of not enjoying food 
period. Yeah. It wasn't like, try this. It was just like, eat this kale and everything's going to be fine. And I'm like, this is not fun. Well, it's also, I mean, the problem that I've found, and I've seen a lot of holistic practitioners of various, <laughs> various disciplines, yeah, sure. but you know, it takes a special kind of doctor. And also like, it's not always realistic, just given how much time you have. And most functional medicine practitioners will take much more time with you than the average doctor. But still, it's like, there's only so much time for the what for the actual diagnosis, um, and what you need to do to fix it. Like no one really has time to focus on the how. And that can be incredibly overwhelming. And for me, like the what, certain practitioners gave me like laundry lists of oh, things I'm to sure. do. And I just had no roadmap. And so with my background, especially with cooking, before I kind of got into health, it was all about really practical solutions for quarter life cooks with limited time, money and skill. And so, yeah, I'm like the how is like the way my brain works. I'm going to figure out the how. Right. Was this a solo journey? I mean, it sounds like your mom is a good support system. Was she part of this? Did you have friends <laughs> that were going through stuff that were going through this with you? No. <laughs> my mom is a great support system once the book came into play. Okay. But, you know, she she's kind of an extremist in her own right, as maybe your mom is too. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I don't know. I just didn't really want to hear her take on things. But as much as like starting the project arose out of like feeling so much pressure from the, you know, hot autoimmune diets, which are incredibly restrictive, lots of, you know, various fad diets that claim to limit inflammation, like both trying to like subscribe in some way to be educated, but then also like really just giving myself permission to find my own path. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still, the wellness project is a never ending process for me and everyone. So it's something I still struggle with to some extent. Yeah. I'm Everyone's sure asking me about lectins and I'm like, I am not touching the lectin issue with a 10 foot Yeah. <laughs> well, and so what aspect of that journey and still to this day, the journey is the most challenging for you? I mean, I think it's it's a lot easier to be an extremist in some ways, to go cold turkey, to like create stringent rules, finding balance and moderation and, you know, kind of creating your own rules on the fly is a lot harder. So that's like forever the struggle. Yeah. Um, there are definitely months like right now, summertime, tough, also been lots of celebrations happening. Like I am not riding my, <laughs> my happy middle so much. I'm like much more on the hedonism side of things um, than the health side of things. But I also like totally forgive myself for that and know that for many people, like a new season will breathe, like breathe a new energy into my habits and there's always tomorrow. So Yeah. And I think it's about some level of balance and recognizing that it's not valuable to be hard on yourself if you cheat or whatever the yeah, word yeah. is, that that doesn't really help you. And you can recognize that there will come, come a time where you recognize that this will change. And right now you're in celebration mode. Phoebe just got married. <laughs> out of the blue, a little bit out of nowhere. No one knew this was happening. So it's a celebratory time. Um, with that said, does your husband... Funny word. Funny word. Funny word. <laughs> Does your husband stick to a lot of the things that you stick to, your friends, your family? How does everyone sort of handle and navigate what you're going through and your journey? And do they learn and adapt from that? How does it work? 
yeah, I mean, you can't change other people. Learned that over the years. You know, I've tried to change Charlie a lot in terms of his eating habits. Every year, he like kind of adjusts and gets a little bit better. You know, does things on his own terms, and so. I'm just trying to do my best and like letting go um, and not trying to micromanage him. But um, yeah, obviously living under the same roof. I mean, it's a gluten-free house. I'm only, you know, making certain kinds of things. Um, You know, I mean, he keeps my healthy hedonism balance in check too. It's like, I have to make things that are like delicious and satisfying Mm -hmm. that he really enjoys. But yeah, he, he is like, when I entered the picture was more of a a typical meat and potatoes kind of guy but now he's like much more well-rounded I'd say that's fun red meat tries to keep it to once a week but before it was like four times a week really unhealthy (laughs) so he's learning through you yeah you're leading by example without shoving it down his throat trying yeah Yeah. (laughs) when you decided to write this book what was your intention was it about you and your lifestyle plus a combo of how you could help other people. What was the goal? I mean, kind of in most of the things I've done, I try and like teach myself, but then also like share the story that I feel like is missing. So for me, it was really, again, like reading all these dense wellness books written by doctors with like very little story in them that like put me asleep. I did not find them compelling. I didn't find them accessible. And I certainly couldn't relate to a lot of what's in the what were in these books. And I certainly couldn't relate to the idea that, you know, people want to say that their method, A, like works 100% of the time, but also is like, it's easy. Like, it's so empowering. You can do it. Oh. But like, it's not. It's not. Sometimes it's not. Like to see these really strict things on paper And yeah, it doesn't always feel empowering. So I felt it was really important to like write kind of this like hybrid health primer slash memoir that, I mean, there was no book out there that was a benchmark. Like there was nothing out there that really existed that I could model myself off of, which made the (laughs) writing of it very challenging. And it was like, oh my God, I lost, I don't know, I had many stress points accumulated during that year of the writing, especially as it was like kind of in tandem with trying to be healthier. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I really felt like it was important to share that narrative with other people. And I think if there's any edge I have, it's like as a storyteller, A, And B is just like kind of like a practical curator. Like I'm not the best researcher in the whole world. I can barely read the books about the studies, let alone the studies themselves. But I think I have a pretty good head on my shoulders. I've got a pretty good like, you know, sniff test for various things. And yeah, for me, it's it's all about making things digestible for myself and for other people. That's helpful. So what have people come back to you saying they gained from reading your book? I mean, most of the, well, not most, but like a lot of the responses are people that like the story, it really resonated with them. And from people who now have struggled with all types of different autoimmune illnesses to people who like really don't actually struggle with anything, but just like needed a practical girlfriend to be like, this is what you need to pay attention to and to laugh at all of the like craziness in the wellness world today. Well, and um, I think you make it really approachable. That's a huge thing to your brand, your business and everything you do. It's like, I am not trying to be this gung-ho expert or doctor that knows everything. I'm telling you what worked for me. 
This is what I explored. This may be extreme. This may not. Maybe it'll work for you, but you're not in any way preaching that this is how you have to do everything and that it's one size fits all. Oh, yeah. And I'll never write it. Like, you know, I think there was kind of a a natural progression, like to write some sort of manual after this book, either for Hashimoto's or what have you. I'm like, I'm never going to write a how-to yeah. book that's like in any sort of way stringent. I'm exploring with writing another book for another health issue I've been dealing with that's, again, like similar to what you say, like just a well-curated, easy-to-read easy to digest manual with all of the options. Right. Not saying anyone is better than the other, not saying that any one program or protocol is going to heal you, but like here is all the information you could possibly need in a way that's organized and like answers just kind of all your questions that you have. Because other like I just like had so many questions along the way. I'd read these things and I'd be like, but I don't know, like the questions of the how, like the practicality stuff, but also just like I mean, I am constantly analyzing and playing devil's advocate in my mind and weighing different choices against each other. I don't know. Take hydration, for instance. Like, is it worse for me to drink like the unfiltered tap water than to order like a bottle of water that comes in plastic that could be just municipal tap water that also adds plastic to the environment? How much am I going to stress about drinking the tap? You know, it's just... I don't know, like, what is the lesser of two evils in, like, any given subject? Right. <laughs> and totally. There, there is no right answer. But sometimes I like to challenge doctors with with choosing one. And there's an example I gave in my book. Because when I hear these, these experts who kind of ascend to their soapboxes because they're preaching something very extreme, like, for instance, there's this bariatric surgeon who's, like, big in the vegan movement does not even think ghee is a good thing. Like, and so I, I asked him, I was like, but okay, so not everyone likes vegetables. <laughs> like, let's, let's just Very good point. reason with me. Not everyone likes vegetables. People like are, are on their own journeys, each and every one of them, especially with eating. Would you say it's worse to eat a bowl of broccoli with two tablespoons of butter mixed in if it meant eating broccoli? or to not eat the vegetables at all. Okay. And he was like, eat the vegetables. <laughs> but you know, it's like, that's yeah. the thing. None of this stuff happens in a vacuum. And that's like what healthy hedonism means to me. It's not justifying, oh, I drink green juice, so I'm going to go eat some french fries. It's like kind of just forgiving yourself for having to take these baby steps and for not being perfect and for realizing that, so long as the good is there and like we're trying to like, you know, add as much good as possible it doesn't always negate the bad, but like, let's just focus on the good. Yeah, totally. So changing gears a little bit, did you have any reservations about turning your health into a brand? Um, I mean, I don't even like consider myself a brand. You're uh, a brand. Oh God. Sorry to break it to uh, you. Um, what, what's the ickiness about that? I don't know. Just, I'm so fed up with Instagram and the brands of the humans. I get I don't that. Know. Um, but, but I guess if I reframe the question, turning your health into something public yes. that could help people and just sharing what you're going through, not on a, just my husband, just my family, just my friends, like it's out in the world. Yeah. Well, 
I have the same kind of like to the word blogger, but the reality is I've been blogging since 2008. I've wow. been blogging for 10 years and you're I, ahead of your time. I started back when not many, not that many people were doing it. And I think that got me really used to, um, to telling my story. I I've gotten, I think a lot more vulnerable and transparent and real, over the years and like just willing to like lay it out on the table. I mean, my book has like everything from poop, period, sex, like it's all in there. So yeah, I think like I'm not desensitized to it by any means. And there are still posts that I cringe, not cringe, but um, have like butterflies in my stomach before I press publish. But just as like writing as a muscle, like writing about yourself and pressing publish post, what have you kind of is a muscle too. And you just get a little bit more used to it. And do you see the difference in the posts that you publish when they're more raw? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. People love vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what the reactions to my book I get are like, thank you so much for like putting your story out there for talking about like the freaking issue of contraception. Like what do we do and for these wellness warriors? Like what are the natural options? Totally. Um, but yeah, no, you have to be vulnerable. Um, I mean, my brand is just who I am and it's really hard for all of us to try and be who we are in this world. And like, that's where we get caught up in trends. And again, it's like, I have to constantly like remind myself as much as I want to try the blue magic seaweed (laughs) supplement powder. Like that's just talking about on my site, doing any sort of recipe with that. No, not, I can try it. Like, but it's off brand. It's really, yeah, it's not you. It's not me. It's not me. But, but that's so clear. Like, as I said in the intro, you're so you and you're not trying (laughs) to be anything but that. And people can love that or it could not be sugar, sugar coated enough for them. And that's cool. There's plenty of sugar coating on Instagram with a blogger and Instagram world that, you know, people, you work for some people and I'm sure not for others. Oh yeah. I get like messages sometimes like from people who are like, you know, I just think you should know that when you curse, you're really alienating part of your audience. Like, and if you want to appeal to a wider audience, like you should maybe think about like toning down the language. And I'm like, Wow. I'm not trying to appeal to any audience. I'm literally just being myself and I'm not going to change because you random person might not like it. It's just fascinating to me that people choose to take the time out of their day in whatever they're doing to be able to reach out to you and tell you what problems they have with you. Yeah. Uh, what is that doing for them? It just so boggles my mind. It's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. It is. So on the flip side of that, given everything that we just talked about, what has been the most rewarding aspect of running a business based around your health? So I never like set out to be a coach of any kind. I mean, I am like trained in it to some extent at this point. But What is your training? I mean, in the school of life, Harper. Love it. Um, yes. No, I mean, it's it's more just, again, my strengths are the, is storytelling. Like, and you just have to always remember what your strengths are. Absolutely. I think I could be a baller health coach, but like, it's not, it's not my calling on yeah. a deeper level. Um, but that said, I have been doing this group coaching um, through a course that I created kind of off the back end of the book that really just gave people like, the roadmap that I craved and like the book it's in there. You read the book, you can craft your own roadmap. Some people need a little bit more instruction and like 
you know, do this, then do that. that. So I created that with the course and, um, I'm doing it quarterly basically. And I'm kind of like casually group coaching people, um, taking them through it, like hearing their experiences. And it's been incredibly rewarding. And I'm sure coaches like yourself, like, I mean, it's such a rewarding, um, way of life and practice. So I feel like I've, I've kind of got this happy medium thing going. People do ask me about doing one-on-one coaching and like, I do it sometimes. It, it depends on what the issue is. And are they people um, who have already topic. gone through the group? No. Okay. No, separately. Um, but I really enjoy the format and it allows me to be both hands on while like, you know, scaling in a way that I wouldn't be able to do if I was just doing one on ones. Yeah, so. totally. So what do you spend the most of your time doing? Right now, um, other mostly, than Instagram confessionals on Instagram. <laughs> my God. Um, I've been trying to like take a little time off because the year since book launch, I was going at such an insane pace. Like I was completely overscheduled. And, you know, it's a testament to how much work I did in creating this self-care toolkit that I like even made it out alive without pneumonia. Yeah. Um, and I did, you know, I was fine, but I just like was really burnt out. So this summer I've been trying to just take it easy and just like let myself be a little bit more free, have a little bit more unstructured time. But I mean, I still post on the site once or twice a week. It doesn't take me that long, depending on what it is. Um, but even just like freeing up my schedule in this way, I've like had more time to like I don't know, spend more time on the posts that I want to spend more time on and write and like kind of like fall back in love with the process of that again. Um, I still teach, you know, a few times a week. In what setting? Um, Privately in people's homes. So the cooking classes that I really enjoy. I used to do so much private chefing and catering, but I'd much rather give people the tools to cook for themselves than to like feel like the help. And yeah, so I don't know, the majority of my time... This summer has been like kind of just like ruminating <laughs> as much as it, that sounds silly. Um, meeting people, chatting, you know, kind of just like being out in the world. But I feel like it really shifts cyclically. Like last year was like doing a lot of promos, doing a lot of events. It was coordination, mm-hmm. like agenting work. And I think I'm about to like move into another year of writing and producing. Um so it'll be kind of more of a long slog at my computer. <laughs> you mentioned the book. Is that in the works already? What's the deal there? No, that's very early stages. Okay. But yeah, I've been writing a lot about SIBO because I went through it earlier this year. And it is yet another area where there are just not, there aren't great resources. So um, people have been really responding to what I've put together, put out in the world so far on my site. And yeah working on a little book proposal okay in that, cool in that regard okay but it'll be like you know hold your horses it'll be three years from now I'm sure yeah for <laughs> sure so what advice would you give people who have received diagnoses whether it's SIBO whether it's Hashimoto's any sort of diagnosis it sounds like you took your own approach to hey I'm not accepting that I have this I'm not taking the drugs and then over time really owning your own health through your own diet and your lifestyle changes. What would you tell someone that just got a diagnosis to do? Um, well, I mean, like, don't freak out. It's incredibly jarring to get any sort of diagnosis. Of course, like, you know, if you have stage four cancer, like you have to jump to action immediately. It's a life or death situation. You have to turn your life upside down. 
the majority of cases, especially with chronic illnesses, like it's not necessarily a tomorrow thing for everyone. Um, you really like do, you know, it depends again on what the issue is, but like a lot of the time, like you, if you've been living with something undiagnosed for a long time, like you do have a little bit of a luxury of taking things one day at a time and one change at a time. And everyone has a different approach to habits. Some people have no problem turning their life upside down overnight. They find it easier. Um, for me, that was not the case. So I would just say like, don't be afraid to go at your own pace. Don't be afraid to get a second opinion and be prepared. You're going to have to do your own research no matter what. There's only so much time a doctor has to explain to you what needs to happen. Um, the good ones will give you like a one page printout, which is more than most people get. And it's just not enough. So you're going to have to put in a little bit of your own legwork and design your own wellness project for whatever it is. Yeah. You talked about doing a lot of the research and reading to write the wellness project. Are there any resources other than obviously your site, your book, anything else that you have launching that people should explore? Um, well, it really depends on like what the issue is. I have on my site a list of some of my favorite resources for the Wellness Project that you can get for free. If you get the book, like there's a whole bibliography in the back and also a recommendation of like my favorite wellness reads. I feel like gut health, everything has to do with gut health. So like read up on your microbiome, read up on gut health. I love Dr. Robin Chutkin's book. Um, I love The Good Gut by the Sonnenbergs. I interviewed both of them for my book and they're really smart and fantastic. I don't know. I, I mean, I love reading books, um, but there's a ton of ton of resources on the interwebs as well. You just have to be able to to wade through it and to have a good head on your shoulders to totally. It. Are there any Instagrammers considering there's a lot of BS out there that you do love for being themselves? Yeah, there are a bunch. You want me to just uh, go name names? We'll be sure to link these in the yeah, show notes, yeah. so check them out. I love Lisa Hyam. She's an RD, but she like keeps things really real. She's super goofy. She likes rollerblading. Um, <laughs> like I like being your own flower. She she rocks it. Um, my friend Serena Wolf is love great. Her. She's just funny. You know, she like hits on some of the natural beauty stuff, but like also talks a lot about anxiety, which I think is so needed. In terms of wellness, oh my God, now it's like I have so many people on my feed and now I'm like forgetting all my things. All good. If but you think yeah, of anyone, yeah. you'll let me know and we'll yeah. add them to the show notes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Phoebe. This was so great. I'm so glad that we were able to chat and learn a little bit more about your journey and your book and everything that you've got going on. I'd love for you to tell people where they can find you and learn more about your book and everything that you do. So you can go to Feed Me Phoebe, which is my blog where all my recipes are housed. You can go to PhoebeLapine.com if you're interested in cooking classes. Finally, you can go to TheWellnessProject.com if you're interested in more resources around the book. I have a free meal prep guide on there. Also a low FODMAP cookbook for those of you who are exploring SIBO or anything related. Um, and it's also got more information on the four weeks wellness course. If you want to come on a little journey with me for a month. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into Made Visible. We hope you learned about something new today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. We can't do this without your support. Visit madevisiblepodcast.com, follow Made Visible Podcast on Instagram, 
Special thanks to the team who made this possible. Elise Bonebright, the audio editor. Gemma Leghorn, the assistant producer. Dylan Chenfeld for the intro music. And Krista Gray for the logo and design concepts.